Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bounce Roundtable podcast. We're on episode 25. Uh, Justin, Bob, good morning, guys. How are you? Hey, Ben, how are you? Good Hi. morning, Mr. Cohen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'd like to say I'm like no less tired than I was last week because last week I was fly. I'd come back from the UK. Uh, this week I've been in uh, taking my kid to the emergency room on Sunday. Um, spent all night in the emergency room because he had a soaring temperature. Uh, oh my and God. then spent most of the week doing childcare because no school and uh, yeah. So <laughs> wow, boy, wow. I sure miss those days. Mm. Is Moses okay? Is everything he, okay now? Yeah, he's okay. He, he he's okay. He just his temperature spiked out of nowhere, and um, uh, really like alarming, really, really alarming because he became very unresponsive. So it was Sunday night, and I just thought, you know what, like it, it was kind of scary. So we just took him straight to hospital. Oh my god! Um, but they kind of they gave him some Motrin, and and they you know they did a blood test, and it turned out he was fine. Um, so you know he's he's okay. He's a bit. He's been a bit like lethargic this week getting over this it's probably some virus it's just you know um kids in 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 montessori in daycare it's a it's a nightmare they just you know he's been ill like petri dish yeah Yeah. exactly exactly uh so anyway like i'm dosed up with coffee so i'm ready to go i'm feeling (laughs) i'm I'm superficially alert today so uh (laughs) uh appreciate everybody bearing with me but um we do have a, uh, a an interesting show for you this week. This has been huge seismic news this week about the Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter. So we're going to be talking about that. Boo, boo, boo. Um, we're talking about the new strategy announced for the Ukraine war. The the West, um, America and the UK have, have announced the kind of, they've been a lot more explicit about their goals for the conflict in um, Ukraine. Uh, the news about the midterms, the polls not looking great for the Democrats right now. We have also our both sides segment where we discuss um, the fact that there are no equivalents. There is there's absolutely no uh, equivalents between the Democrats and the Republicans. And we're going to give you very brazen examples of Republican insanity just to show you how uh, insane they are. And uh, then we're going to go into the members only section where we're going to be talking about political positions that we once had, but now don't have any more reversals. Some of them embarrassing, some of them, some of them, you know, uh, based on um, changing events for me, kind of embarrassing. But so uh, it tells we'll, me I'm going to be the centerpiece of this discussion because yeah, Mr. Republican, <laughs> over here. Mr. Republican. Enough, my, my opinions have changed quite a bit. Mr. Republican. Um, so <laughs> guys, let's, let's, uh, let's get to the big news this week, which is, um, the uh, Elon Musk takeover of Twitter. Uh, Bob and I kind of wrote, I wouldn't say the same piece, but we made similar points independently and we weren't colluding. 
right? There was there were there was no <laughs> collusion between Bob and myself about what we were going to say about this. But we'll I need think a congressional we, investigation to prove that. Yeah, I think we both <laughs> we both sort of um, came up with the same, you know, the the same very obvious fact that uh, this the, the, Elon Musk is basically taken over. He's saying he's going to um, allow the kind of pretty much unfettered freedom of speech, and he's not going to. Um, so anyway, let's we'll discuss why. Uh, Bob, your piece this week, uh, which, which was excellent, uh, specifically talks about this about what you know, this idea that Elon Musk is this free speech absolutist, and you know all the kind of right wing fam, all the right wing nutters have, are, are all completely delirious over this. But it's not yeah, that simple. Yeah. Not right, that simple. And, yeah. Uh... You know, it's weird with Elon Musk because I I do actually support SpaceX. I think they're doing great things. I think uh, Tesla, for example, is making tremendous strides as far as technology with regard to uh, uh, green energy. Uh, so there is little like a uh, silver lining to Elon Musk. I just want to throw that out there. But that being that's what said, makes it so sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is sad because this guy, people with that much money. <laughs> it it really pisses me off and it should piss off anyone who's a taxpayer that someone with all the money in the world doesn't get taxed at a higher tax rate i mean that should be more than obvious but that's a side story uh with this particular twitter situation which by the way hasn't been finalized this may fall through that's entirely possible that this could end up not going anywhere so we want to make sure we calibrate our emotions about this based on the fact that it's not a done deal. But that being said, what Elon Musk wants to do with Twitter is something that I've been observing on the Internet, and I'm sure you guys have too. But, uh, you know, I got my first Internet job in 1997. So I've been dealing with discussion forums and the debate around free speech online for a long, long time. And it's always the same. It's the same discussion. And maybe it is. Maybe it's an important discussion to have. I think it absolutely is. The problem is whenever it comes up, uh, there's always the people who say, yes, speech should be completely unfettered online. As long as it's legal, <laughs> you should be able to say it. And usually what that attitude manifests, uh, whether it's discussion forums, social media, chat rooms back in the day, what usually happens is that's when the trolls come in. That's when the Nazi death pornographers come in. That's when the most heinous memes that have ever been created end up festooning the entire place, making it utterly unusable. Yes, congratulations, you've got your unrestricted free speech platform. Sorry to tell you, no one's there anymore, except for, as I said, the Nazi death pornographers. And one of the modern examples of this, I'll just end with this. Uh, if you follow the story of 8chan and Q, 8chan was set up as being this unfettered free speech platform where there are forums in there that literally have the aforementioned Nazi death pornographers, you know, just the like faces of death screen grabs and shit like that turned into memes. 
at, which is all legal, by the way. You can do that. You can post a, a dead body or a tortured body or a mutilated body anywhere you want. There's nothing illegal about that. So get ready for a Twitter that you, as you're scrolling through your timeline, that pops up every uh, five tweets uh, at best. Um, so the fact of the matter is that a Chan was, uh, brought down by this kind of horrible shit that ultimately led to things like Q and the insurrection. And then it was resurrected as eight Kun, which still exists today. And, uh, and that will kind of illustrate what we're talking about here. No one wants to go there. Now, I, at least I should say no one who's normal wants to go to eight Kun and root around in the discussion forums there. And so what Elon Musk is doing, he's making the same mistake uh, millions of people have made with the Internet over the years. And uh, he should know better. He should know better by example. Uh, but he doesn't because he's kind of a dilettante. And so in that respect, he's pretending to know more than he does. And that especially is the case with politics. But I don't want to digress too much. Uh, he's just he's making a huge mistake. If this ends up going through. Uh, you know, there will quickly be a legitimate replacement for Twitter that will be occupied by the normals. This will not continue on. Twitter will not exist in its present form uh, uh, with this kind of unfettered free speech concept. So there it is. Yeah, the, the problem the problem with Musk is as a white guy, he thinks free speech should be catering to white guys and when you have white guys who allow to say anything they want that benefits white guys and absolutely nobody else because right. all they do what you end up with is you get the very worst of the white guys who go out there and they say the most horrible racist ugliest misogynistic things which makes it unbearable for everyone else including a lot of other white guys who don't mm -hmm. want to deal with that kind of bullshit either but they can't help themselves they can't stop it because they just think I, I, I have this power to make other people uncomfortable and that's all I care about. I want to troll people and that's all that's important is making other people uncomfortable. I mean, that's literally the definition of the entire MAGA movement at this point is making other people miserable and uncomfortable. That's all they want to do. And he thinks that, you know, oh, it'll be great. It'll be awesome. Free speech, free speech, free speech. But then when they start posting, you know, the aforementioned Nazi death porn, people are going to be like, you can't have that on your site. He's going to be like, uh, well, okay, maybe just a little bit of uh, censorship and then a little bit more and then yeah. a little bit more. And it's like, but that's the point. It's either all or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that there's a, a board of directors and there are shareholders with Twitter. This is not going to be unilateral decision-making. I mean, he may try. But there will be pushback internally uh, with the people who control yeah, course, the financial future of Twitter. Yeah, of, of course. I mean, the, you know, the, the, are we going to allow kind of like Islamic terrorism on, on, on Twitter? Like, I don't think that's going to fly, you know. The, exactly. The, uh, do, do you know what I mean? So, so this is yeah. this is. I wrote a piece this week. My piece was I took a kind of the angle of like let's let's look at what the kind of the alt left, the alt right grifters are are, are saying about this because they're absolutely giddy with excitement over the prospect of their libertarian um, billionaire uh, hero taking taking over of Twitter and Glenn Greenwald. So Glenn Greenwald and Matt Taibbi. Matt Taibbi wrote a, 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 a entirely predictable piece 
both Matt Tybee and Glenn Greenwood have written the most predictable pieces imaginable in response to um, must take over for Twitter, that, of course, somehow you have to make this about um, centrist liberals and the woke mob, blah, 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 about how it's really Shocking. funny watching, watching them having meltdowns. Um, but so I think, you know, Glenn Greenwell was very excited about this because at least my theory is that the, what Glenn Greenwald wants, for example, he wants chaos, right? He wants more chaos um, on, on the internet, more chaos in the political system, particularly in America, so that it destroys the system, right? Which is what will happen. Like Twitter, if left unchecked, if left un- unmoderated, it, it will just destroy itself and it will have a disastrous effect on society as well, which is what we saw... You know what we saw in the lead up to the 2016 election was was basically unfettered free speech on Facebook. It was mostly Facebook mm. back then. Twitter wasn't quite as big, um, but um, on on Facebook it was a complete free for all. On Facebook, yeah. it was absolute mayhem uh, with no moderation whatsoever, with all sorts of nonsense, Russian disinformation, far right wing conspiracy theories. You know, got Trump elected. Yeah, it was freedom of speech, but it was also a, a, you know a cancer on society so and i think that this is the this is what musk is going to have to uh deal with when it happens and he's not going to he, he, like everybody before him blah, blah, like you said everybody before him he will start to moderate content he'll start to kick off the racists he'll start to kick off um the, you know the terrorists and the uh the misogynists and the you know um, the spe- people spreading um, massive amounts of health disinformation. Uh, I think a lot of this is about COVID as well, and and this the massive amount of disinformation that 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 was spread on the network. Um, that people like Elon Musk and the kind of more conspiracy theory minded people they were all into these these kind of alternative health um, theories about COVID. Uh, which were just basically bullshit, right? And so, but you have to have some sort of moderation on a social network with this kind of reach when you have medical disinformation. So, look, you know, this is what, like, Matt Toby wrote a piece uh, that was out today, in fact, um, and we're talking on Friday. And he said, uh, he, this was his him writing about the, the freak out. He said, quote, the hypocrisy of America's self-appointed cultural protectors this week is breathtaking. They really seem not to realise that what they've been seeking for years isn't an end to speech abuses, but a monopoly on them. They see Musk as a traitor to his class, threatening to upend what they see as a natural order that in recent years placed blue-nosed squads in deserved roles as vanguards and truth arbiters. Whether or not Musk ever upends anything is a different question, but critics believe he will. And now they're panicking in terms of maximum sanctimony, they're even pulling out the who will protect the children style language. Oh so, yeah, it's like, wow. Yeah. Fuck baby. Yeah. It's so predictable that he would take this. He would take this view that this, this is another way to kind of get at centrist liberals who give a shit about having, you know, um, some sort of, uh, some sort of, van, you know, some sort of rails, right. The, yeah. Places like Twitter, and they have to have rails to keep things. They don't do a great job, right? Twitter does a terrible job of moderation. Facebook does a terrible job of moderation. There are lots of um, accidents, or, you know, there are lots of bad outcomes that comes from mm. their their um, their moderation. You know, they kicked up basically. They ruined our business. Facebook wrecked our business model, 
right? Twitter yeah. has taken down a tweet. I, I said the word gimp in a tweet and they banned me from Twitter for a day. This is fucking stupid, right? But do I know how to do it better? No. I don't know how to do a better job. They're doing something, right? They, they, it's, it's better than nothing, even if they make mistakes. Like, it's better than nothing. And when Elon Musk takes over and does nothing, yeah, it's going to be a shit show. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing, too, is we've seen the free, unfettered free speech thing tried at Gab and Getter and Parler and now uh, Donald Trump's Troth Central or whatever he's calling it. <laughs> Uh, and they've obviously resorted back to content moderation. They've had to. In fact, one of the rules at Truth Social is that you can't make fun of Truth Social on the platform. There's your free speech platform. Freedom freedom of speech. And Elon Musk is going around waving the Truth Social flag. Hey, look at Truth Social. It's number one on the downloads list on uh, uh, the App Store (laughs) because of free speech. Well, there's no free speech there. Are you fucking kidding me? He's he doesn't know anything about politics. And there's a whole separate discussion to be had about his view in terms of where the Overton window has moved over the years, where Mm. empirically the Republicans have become more extremist, more far right than the Democrats have ever come close to becoming too far left. Uh, that is just the nature. You can see that in the statistics. You can see it in graphs. There are studies. There are receipts showing that to be the case. Elon Musk thinks it's the opposite, that, oh, it's the left that's gone too far left. Conservatives have been where they've always been. You know, there was a meme going around, in fact, uh, pushing back against this nonsense, where it was like it showed 2008 and 2020. 2008, Joe Biden. 2020, Joe Biden. And then with the Republicans, it was 2008, John McCain, uh, and then 2020, the insurrection. (laughs) That's a perfect illustration where the Democrats have not changed at all. You know, going back to 2008, it's been Joe Biden. Uh, Going back to 2008, it was McCain for the Republicans, but now it's fucking chaos. So, uh, yeah, uh, Elon Musk doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Right. I mean, look, it's not to say that he might, that there might be some positive things that come out of it. You know, some, some, some things that might be good. I don't hate Elon Musk. Like, I just don't think he's, I don't think he's a genius. I don't think he's capable of running something like Twitter. I think maybe he has some good ideas for the platform. I'm I'm not like a, I don't want to just be kind of knee jerk anti Musk for the sake of being, you know, anti Elon Musk. But it's, I just don't really see why everybody thinks he's this massive genius. Like he's, you know, he he got he got lucky. Um, when when you're rich, it's easy to get richer. Um, yeah, he's like he's like John Hammond in, in Jurassic Park, where he's he's basically standing on the shoulders of people who are way more talented than he is, and uh, yeah, t- and, and, and taking all of the uh, the credit for it. Yeah, now he's bought a new plaything, and 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 really, you know, Twitter is his plaything, and we're we're about to see a very very, uh, you know. Um, crazy experiment happen uh again you know i just the thought of reliving all the 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 insanity of um unfettered free speech on social media platforms again after what we did after what we experienced in uh in 2016 i mean was he going to let the like russian bots are they allowed to 
You know, are we going to have the same thing again? Are we going to see Russian Russian disinformation being allowed because it's free speech? Because disinformation is free. You can, if it's free speech, right? Yeah. Anything goes. So anyway, yeah, not, I don't think this is good. It's really difficult to observe shit like this, knowing where it's going to go. Uh, right. Knowing before it ever happens. And it's not we're not particularly prophetic here. We've just seen what's happened in the past. We've seen right. what's happened uh, currently. And it's so obvious. I don't know why. I guess Elon Musk is just so thick or he's playing to a certain audience that he just doesn't uh, he doesn't understand what he's asking for here. Yeah, I mean, look, again, it's, it's this idea that if you're a billionaire, you must be a genius and you must be kind of, you know, you must have a wisdom that other people don't have. I mean, even Jack Dorsey's saying like Elon Musk is the singular solution, uh, singular solution to, to the Twitter problem, you know, to, to who can take over Twitter. Like anybody who yeah. thinks Elon Musk is like the savior of this idea that billionaires are going to are, are going to correct the problem that most of them create have created in society is just flipping ludicrous yeah. uh but yeah look not good we're, we're going to monitor the situation look, if there are some positive things that come out of it i'm all for it i'll change my mind if elon musk does a good job i'll be you know i'll be the first one to say it but maybe I'm, we'll finally get that edit button yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah that's spent- uh that's actually something he's going to do i mean that'll happen my concern is that he's going to do it wrong He's going to do it where there is no edit history and you can just edit in in perpetuity. Why? Free speech. You should Free be able speech. to scam your audience by changing your uh, original argument without any accountability. And that's what's going to happen. So anyway, moving on, we're going now. Um, the news this week out of the Russia-Ukraine situation is that uh, you know the US and and the UK have been far more explicit about their goals for um for the region for Russia uh, basically saying that um the idea is to make is to weaken Russia to the point that they can no longer um they can no longer attack any of their neighbors so they can no longer attack anybody they they you know present no no risk whatsoever so this is i mean it's not i think we everybody sort of knew that this was um this I mean, was that's kind, of, kind of the point of the economic sanctions in the first place so no but these i think these are more kind of this is a long you know so look this is on the new york times today britain said on friday it would deploy eight thousand soldiers to europe to join tens of thousands of troops from nato countries uh, in exercises meant to deter further russian aggression and this is the announcement that came up a day after President Biden asked Congress to authorize $33 billion more in aid for Ukraine. So um, I think that, you know, th- this is the more explicit that we're that we're being about our goals. Right. This is like it's now it is a proxy war. This is now a proxy war. Right. We are fighting Russia in Ukraine and, and hoping that it doesn't spill out outside of Ukraine, right? That those are the kind of the, those those are kind of the rules. But this is I think this is the smartest thing to do. This is what the Ukrainians want, right? A lot of people are complaining saying that you know this is where we're making the situation worse by arming Ukraine. Um but I don't really see this as being I see this as being the only sense the, the, the most sensible thing to do, which is to bleed Russia out. Like give the Ukrainians what they need to fight and bleed the Russians out so that Vladimir Putin cannot do this kind of shit again, because it's just, 
it's just far too destabilizing for the planet right now. I mean, the chaos that this has created globally uh, to, you know, to, to food, to um, oil, to, you know, uh, it's messing with, with the financial system, with banks. It's been a complete disaster for, for the world. And for, we're not even really about, we're not about, we're about to see just how bad it's going to get, um, you know, when Ukraine doesn't meet its wheat exports uh, targets uh, because they're going to have a hard time. You know, Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe. So there are all the, a lot of these, you know, people in India are going to start starving uh, in Africa uh, because they're not going to get enough wheat. So this is really, really bad. And, and I don't think that you can, you, you can't fight the Russians directly, but you can, this is, this does present a unique opportunity to completely sap the Russians of their, um, of their military power. And of their, you know, destroy, you know, destroying their economy, and and essentially bleeding them out on the battlefield is this is this makes sense, you know. Obviously, th- there's a huge human toll to this, which is like absolutely devastating. But you know, I, th- this is the be- the best way um, to make good of a bad situation. Does that does that does that sound about right? Yeah. Now, here's the most important thing to keep in mind about this. And this is really important that this gets stressed over and over and over because people are starting to like, well, not starting, but people have been jumping up and down and screaming about this for a while about how, you know, oh, you know, America this, NATO that, blah, blah, blah. Russia started this war. This was a war of choice by Putin. So, However, we end up having to respond to it. This was still in response. If it's now a proxy war, it is a proxy war because fucking Russia made it that way. If they had not launched a goddamn war, we would not be involved trying to keep them from doing this and more. But they didn't give us a choice, right? The option was sit there and watch them slaughter Ukraine and just absorb a country, at which point there's nothing to suggest that they would have stopped. And I mean, granted, you know, domino theory, et cetera, et cetera. But if they had just walk, if they had been able to walk in there and just take Ukraine, which they did not, they, they were getting their asses kicked. But if they, if, if they are allowed to continue being aggressive and Putin is now has his entire ego and his presidency or dictatorship invested in this because now he has to show he has to project strength. He has to keep projecting strength because of the initial losses. He has to be stopped. Otherwise, there's nothing to say that he's not going to keep being aggressive in order to maintain that illusion that he's not weak, that Russia did not actually fuck up that first month and Hmm. change of the war. I mean, you know, there's there's a possibility they're in the middle of trying to start another um, front of this war in Moldova, just because it, they need that to help them with their war in Ukraine, it, just in terms of geography. So people are trying to make this sound like this was something that we wanted. We didn't start this at all. We didn't start it. Ukraine didn't start it. This was nothing that we started. And it's really important that we stress that because you know that's going to get lost in the weeds as this keeps going on that this is somehow both of our sides both sides did this it's all our fault this is all putin and this is a this is just people responding to it so 
So sorry, I had to put that out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's right. Uh, and I think, it, it, you know, it, it is important. It's like this, you know, about NATO aggression and... Um, yeah, exactly. Like it's not, NATO is not being aggressive here. NATO is it's a voluntary organization. You can join NATO. You don't ha- no one's forcing anybody to join NATO. You know, if Sweden and Finland now want to join NATO because, uh, duh, like they're right next to Russia and Russia just invaded one of their neighbors. So that now they're spe- they, they are now applying to join NATO, uh, which makes complete sense. Um, so, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's good though. I think it's notable that the West has now made this clear that their aim is to, is to, I think Boris Johnson said this week that he was, you know, Putin has got to lose and he's got to be seen to lose as well, right? The, we, the entire planet has to watch this turn in, you know, fail, to watch Russia fail spectacularly in, in Ukraine. So that's now that that's being said openly by, by um, you know, by by the West, I think is a good thing because it also shows that they're a lot more confident now about A, Ukraine's prospects and B, um, some of Putin's kind of threats, right? That they don't really seem to um, be taking his threats as seriously as they once were. And that, I think, means... Because, you know, there was there was this whole... You know, when... when um, Putin was basically saying, you know, we're going to use nukes if, if um, he, he kind of hinted at, the, you know, using nukes if NATO countries were arming, um, arming Ukraine. But we just ignored him and did it anyway. And he didn't do anything. I so that kind of still showed, can't believe he hasn't. Yeah. So I think, I think it's clear that Russia, that they're not, Putin is a, is a, is, is a crazy bastard, right? But he's not insane, Right. He's not going to. He's not going to incinerate Russia. You know, he's not going to have the. You know, his entire country blown to pieces uh, over this war in Ukraine. And I think now that the West is fairly confident that that's not going to happen. So anyway, I thought that was. It was quite. You know, it's a notable turning point in the war that we are now more explicitly saying yes, this is a proxy war. Yes, we want to destroy Russia, and that's a good thing. You know, like. Well, not destroy Russia, but make it so they can't do this type of shit again. I mean, yes. no one's talking about invading Russia, although Ukraine apparently is striking within Russia's uh, territory, which, mm. you know, not for nothing. They get to do that. They're, they, yeah. Their country got invaded. They get to strike back and, help, you know, cripple their uh, cripple Russia's to. infrastructure for making war. Russia's whining about this like they're, they're the victim somehow, mm. which I think is astonishing. That they have the balls to say that, but we we the West is not looking to destroy Russia. It's looking to we can you know hobble them enough to don't do that shit again. Right. Yeah. It's important. To, you know, terminology is important there. I'm sorry. No, a hundred percent. All right. Next midterms, Democrats. Uh, the polls don't look that great right now. How much danger are, are, are the Democrats in? This is a question I've been trying to. With. The polls actually aren't that horrendous right now. If you're looking at state by state, district by district, I just want to jump in with that because uh, there is a conventional wisdom that say the, the Democrats are in a, a really shitty place right now. And yes, things could be much, much better, especially given the fact that the Republicans, uh, you know, uh, their supporters invaded and occupied Congress, et cetera, et cetera, go down the line of uh, awful things. But 
right now on the Senate side, there are five toss ups and uh, just three of the five are Democratic seats. And that leaves two Republican seats, Ron, John- Ron Johnson and Pat Toomey's old seat. Uh, so Pennsylvania uh, and then uh, uh, Wisconsin. But the rest uh, are pretty tight. And we're talking about Mark Kelly here. We're talking about Raphael Warnock and uh, Catherine Mosto. And uh, she's in Nevada. She's in the, uh, you know, she's a senator from Nevada. And so uh, it's, it's not that bad. All the Democrats need to do is hold the, the seats that they're leading in right now and, uh, and win the lion's share of these uh, toss-up seats. And you're basically looking at the same sort of thing that we're in right now. I mean, it's we're not going to gain. It's a, it's still possible that we could gain seats, but I, I can say with relative confidence at this point, looking at a snapshot in time, how's that for a qualifier? Uh, <laughs> it's not quite as devastating as I think some people on cable news are saying. So uh, you know, if you take out the toss-ups, it's basically forty-seven, forty-eight. Uh, with the Republicans leading by one seat. And this is, of course, all having to do with the polls. On the uh, House side, uh, the um, the toss-ups, I think that there are 23 toss-ups. There are 40 races where there's no polling at all. So it's really hard to know. I mean, if you look at national polls, yeah, it looks pretty devastating. But this is not a national election. You have to boil everything down to individual districts, individual states, uh, and then on the uh, state and local side as well. Uh, it's you know much finer. You have to look at this through a much finer lens, and uh, yeah, so it's not not as bad as uh, you, I think some people are worried making as, it to be. Yeah, you're not as worried. Yeah, I mean, I am going by the sort of general Twitter mainstream media freakout. Um, <clears throat> that's what's kind of, you know, I, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat susceptible to getting freaked out by, uh, whenever <laughs> I hit, whenever well, yeah, I, there's lots to be freaked out by. Let's make no mistake here. I mean, it is mm. pretty tight and things could, uh, get really dicey here and, and go the vastly the wrong way. But at this point, there's still a chance for the Democrats to get energized by whatever, and we are seeing Republicans in disarray right now. There's an opportunity there. Plus, uh, you know, I think inflation is going to start easing. And by election, it's by the election day, it's not going to be as bad as it is right now. So, well, I mean, that's just my forecast as a non-economic expert. But I mean, just looking at the numbers, it's possible that that's the case. I mean, they're talking about inflation being at the top uh, right now, being at its peak, which leads the only direction to go is down from there. So. Uh, yeah, it's, it, 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 I don't know. It's just all going to depend on who, uh, makes a bigger stink in the culture wars. That's <laughs> what it comes <laughs> down to, sadly enough. So, yeah. Well, let's hope you're right on that, Bob, that it's not that bad. Historically, obviously the, the, whichever party holds the, the White House, the first, um, <clears throat> the midterms, the first midterms aren't generally that good. Uh, let's hope that the Democrats can, um, capitalize on the fact that uh republican party just uh stood by and watched a coup an attempted coup on the government let's hope that the democrats can kind of use that use some fear tactics to remind uh remind the electorate what happened yeah i'm hoping uh, that the january 6th committee drops some like really really nasty ugly stuff ahead of oh the midterms God, yeah, yeah exactly um all right next uh we have our both sides segment uh, justin You've been um, 
messaging me all week about <laughs> about how angry you are. Uh, so uh, we'll go with you first. Your both sides are not just as bad. Uh, what's your your example this week? All right. So there was um, a, a QAnon conference called Patriots Arise. Um, and it was organized, I'm reading this off of Right Wing Watch, organized by QAnon conspiracy theorists Alan and Francine Fostick. Uh, the two-day conference featured appearances by several Republican candidates for office, including Pennsylvania GOP State Senate, State Senator Doug Mastriano, who's running for governor, Teddy Daniels, who's running for lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, Rick Bowers, who's running for State Senate in Maryland, and Dan Cox, who's running for governor in Maryland. Uh, Maryland. Um, let's see. So, oh, and then uh, let's see. We also have Neo Confederate Michael Petroka. I'm not sure I pronounced it correctly. Is um, he's running for Attorney General in Maryland? Um, other speakers included Trump campaign attorney Jenna Ellis and current Trump spokesperson Liz Harrington. Now that's not great, but it's the type of stuff that they talk that there. That they should give you a hint of just how fucking batshit crazy these people are. So one of the speakers um, was going on and on about how he wants to kill the people responsible for, quote, unquote, child satanic trafficking and abuse of children. Okay, because that's that's their big QAnon thing, right? They're, they're still talking about this. About how you know, and they're talking about us on the left. How about we drink the blood of children and kill them and sex, you know, sex trafficking, blah blah blah. And then you have another lunatic who actually started to cry over the sex trafficking cabal, where they make millions of dollars. This is a quote off of harvesting ch- uh, kids. Now he had um, a, a PowerPoint thing up on the screen. And it's a picture of the Kraken, right? Because that was a big thing for them. And it was labeled with its different tentacles. It had, quote unquote, oligarchy, sex trafficking cabal, mainstream media, the Vatican, because you got to remember, the, the white nationalist people, they hate Catholics for some reason. They have this whole thing about hating Catholics. Um, the Democratic agenda, Fauci slash Gates COVID vaccine, China, phony wars, and fake currency banking cartel, which is another way to say Jews, right? Because you always have to have Jews in there somewheres. <laughs> always. Yep. That's what these people talk about. And Republicans openly campaign with them now. This is what they do. And there's no shame in it. This is like this is a feature, not a bug. This will get them more votes. Like 10 years ago, this would not have gotten them more votes. This would have, been, this would have gotten them laughed off of stage like, oh, you're you're campaigning with kooky conspiracy crazy people who talk about white nationalism and anti-Semitism openly. Get the fuck off stage. Now, hmm. you almost have to do this to get elected as a Republican. And there is absolutely nothing like this on the left. It's nope. not even there's nothing even remotely comparable. Nope. So exactly. Uh terrifying. Bob, who who do you have this week? Well, uh, Don Jr. was uh, tweeting uh, a couple of days ago about how the uh, Twitter shadow banning is real. Those of you who don't know uh, who are unfamiliar oh, with sakes. some of these <laughs> dark corners of uh, Twitter, there's this idea among Red Hats that Twitter is deliberately uh, cutting back on their reach, throttling their reach on Twitter because they're conservatives. Well, guess what? 
uh, it's happening across the board. It's just the way the algorithm works. It's the same with Facebook. Suddenly the algorithm decides, okay, we're going to throttle the reach of whatever kinds of accounts here. And it just happens automatically. It affects everyone. It doesn't just affect conservatives. In fact, uh, or Red Hats, I should say specifically. Uh, in fact, I think both sides should be bitching about that <laughs> because it happens seemingly at random. I mean, Justin, you know this with Facebook, where you wake up one day for no particular reason, suddenly the visibility of your posts on Facebook uh, take a big hit. Well, why? I don't Who know. <laughs> the algorithm make sure that people aren't seeing that for some reason. I don't know why it happens, but it happens to everyone. And in the context of Facebook, in fact, if you look at the list of the top 10 posts by Facebook pages, uh, it's invariably a majority of those uh, pages uh, in the top 10 are conservative pages, Red Hat pages. Dan Bongino is always in there. Ben Shapiro is always in there. Town Hall is always in there somehow. It's just this usual suspect. So uh, I'm just sick and tired of the whining about this. They're pulling the same liberal media crap that they've been doing for 50 years plus now. And they're doing it now with social media. And it's completely inaccurate. I mean, if anything, as I said, we should all be complaining. We should all join together <laughs> in unity to fight back against, uh, uh, you know, throttling of reach on social media. But uh uh, well, it's something anything, certainly not exclusive it, to the right. Well, if anything, they should make it. It's like you can't pay for extra reach, which is how those people on Facebook always have like the top slots because oh, they yeah, pour yeah. in massive amounts of money. It's like right. if you and want well, to be free. And they're also yeah. buying likes and shares. I just want to throw yeah. that in. In terms of money, they're buying their reach to an extent. Yeah. It's like if you want to be free and equal speech, stop letting them spend money to get it. Yeah. That's yeah. how you make it free and equal. If you wanted to make it so it's the people who have the most money get it, then it's not free speech, is it? Yeah, yeah. We just have to be but aware. I, don't I, talk I, about I think that. It, I, I think it's sort of an open secret right now that certain accounts purchase their followers, purchase their Facebook friends, purchase their shares and their likes and their comments across all of social media. There's a marketplace for this crap. Even with podcasts, you can buy podcast downloads if you have enough money, and it's not that expensive. <laughs> I've done the research, uh, and there it's, it's a, a well documented process. So don't take things at face value online, because oftentimes if you see someone in the top 10 rankings of whatever, say, for example, Elon Musk talking about Truth Social being uh, number one in the downloads list on uh, the App Store, it could be the Truth Social's buying its downloads. I mean, so this is something that is uh, prevalent across all of uh, the Internet. Shocking. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> you mentioned Ben Shapiro, who is um, as a giant hypocrite, and uh, yeah, I um, uh, that's giant? why Actually, he's not so giant. giant. He's teeny yeah, tiny. But, <laughs> there's nothing giant about Ben Shapiro. He's a smart, very small little man, <laughs> uh, hypocrite. <laughs> so, okay, this is my my both sides this week. Was uh, <clears throat> it's not quite. I'm not saying that the left doesn't do this, but the hypocrisy here is just stunning, right? Yeah. So Ben Shapiro this week called for Elon Musk to fire all his current employees on Twitter. And um, he said Musk needs to come in and he needs to fire everyone. I mean, everyone. He has hundreds, if not thousands of employees, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he said uh, there have been studies of the donations, the political donations of the people working at Twitter. 98.7% of all donations from the people working at Twitter went to the Democrats in the last election. Uh, so of then... Um, 
must, uh, according to uh, Ben Shapiro, they must be fired for their political opinions. So, is this not cancelling? Right? Is this not yeah. cancelling people for their political opinions and their political beliefs? Right? This mm-hmm. is all Ben Shapiro talks about is flipping cancel culture, cancel culture, kind of people losing their li- livelihoods because they say something that that it's or they vote the wrong way, and now he's calling for exactly the same. Like the hypocrisy of these guys is just stunning. It's just stunning. Like claiming not to play identity, you know, they claim the left is obsessed with identity politics. They just have their own version of identity politics. They claim that you know the left is all about cancel culture. Culture, yeah, they have their own version of cancel culture. There, there, there is absolutely no difference between between Ben Shapiro and a liberal um, trying to cancel Bill Maher. There's absolutely no difference whatsoever. I'm sorry, like it's ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> Shapiro has got to be, he's one of the biggest hypocrites of, of, of them all. Um, and as you say, Justin, he's a very little man as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with a little tiny voice to go with it. Yeah, he small man and a small voice. So anyway, guys, we're going to move into the members only section today where we're going to be discussing political reversals, uh, positions that we once held. Uh, that we now don't hold anymore, uh, and how maybe we embarrassing it was to have to hold some of those previous beliefs. I know that I am pretty embarrassed about quite a few of the beliefs I used to have. Uh, very sad. <laughs> so this is a bit. This is always a bit <laughs> embarrassing. So we're going to go into the member section to talk about that. Uh, thank you everybody for checking in. Um, you can get a uh, two month free trial on a band of membership, so you can listen to the members only podcasts if you want for f- completely for free. Uh, we'd love it if you joined. Um, we need the support. The banter relies on our incredibly generous members to keep us going. So do that. Make sure you you can listen to the podcast. You can do that on um, iTunes or on Spotify, or you can just play us directly out of uh, our Substack newsletter. So that's probably where you're listening to this right now. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Take care, right, guys. Later.